Ah, well, happy Sunday uh, to everybody online and to my few fans in the crowd. Um, God bless you all as we continue to move forward in this crazy year. Um, I think that will forever live in infamy, honestly. I, I think that 2020 will be a year to be remembered. Um, maybe some of you hope that you forget it. Uh, not necessarily sure where you find yourself, but one thing we do know for sure is that Jesus is still on the throne. Thank you, cheering section. Jesus is on the throne, and I have a quick uh, news brief for you. He will forever be. He's the same on the throne in 2020 as he was in 2019, as he will be in 2021 and 2041 and 61 and 91. And should he tarry into 2220, Jesus will still and forever be on the throne. You know, you've caught us uh, as we're really kind of turning the corner to getting ready to close our series in November that's called You Are Not Alone. And I think given what's happening in the world right now, there couldn't have been a better topic that we could talk about in the midst of all the craziness of life. And, you know, as we close the doors of the church yet again to keep everybody safe, as we go back to different you know, stages of social distancing and isolation, and maybe some of you are trying to make plans for Thanksgiving this week, realizing that chances are you're not gonna be with your whole family. I think this topic of being not alone couldn't be any more relevant for us as the church today. You know, we're living in a dark time. We're living in a time that's challenging for so many people around the world. I mean, hearing the reports of the loneliness and the, the depression and the, you know, people turning to different addictions, as the church, we, we have to know that we can place our trust in God. Yes. And, and, and I hope that you're up for it uh, this morning, uh, but I would like to make a very honest confession. And uh, I hope that you're okay with that. I hope that you're okay with me being real. Um, but, you know, I'm a pastor, and sometimes I find it hard to place my full 100% trust in God. That, you know, I love God, I believe in God, and sometimes I feel uneasy about what the future has in store. You know, I've realized something in life that it's really easy, and, and sometimes I think God made it too easy for us to say things that when we actually have to live them out, they are significantly harder to do. Yes. It's easy to say, I trust God, right? I trust God. No, of course, everything is good. I trust God. Until life starts to throw you curveballs and speed wobbles and you know mountains and rocky terrains. And we find that it's a lot harder to do than just to say. I mean, in 2020, I think if there's anything that we have learned is that we really can't trust in anything. You can't trust the media because who knows who to listen to. You can't trust people because, I mean, people are people. You can't trust in science because who knows what science and you can't trust in your own emotions. You can't necessarily trust in the government. I mean, you can't even trust that Costco is going to have toilet paper for you on this week's Costco run. And I think intentionally so, because I think this year, like other years throughout history, 
God has set us in a season where we're forced to only put our trust in God. You know, sometimes it can feel challenging, but often the greatest times in human history come from dark seasons where we as human beings are forced to let go of everything else that we put our security, our safety, our comfort in, and we're forced to trust God. Now, maybe you find yourself this morning and you're, you know, you're worried about all the tension that's happening in our two countries. Maybe you're worried about COVID and maybe you're worried about the fact that you can't meet with your family for the holidays. Maybe, you know, you're trying to figure out the right way to successfully navigate through all the racial tension that's happening in the world right now. Maybe you're feeling the intensity of the political division in our culture because you're afraid that the wrong person is gonna get in office, whoever that wrong person is for you. And, and maybe it's beyond all this, maybe it's something personal that's happening in your life. Maybe you've lost your job, maybe your family's falling apart, maybe you've fallen back into old habits and cycles, or you know, maybe you're like me and I can get caught in the what ifs. Anybody else know what I'm talking about, the what ifs? You know, like, what if the wrong person gets elected? Like, what if I lose my job? What if, what if I get sick? You know, for some of you parents, what if I have to homeschool my kids for the rest of their lives? <laughs> right? What if? What if, you know, for all the single people out there, right? What if, you know, COVID continues to happen and you're forced to isolate and you can't meet people and then you have to be single for the rest of your lives? Or maybe you're wondering, what if because of COVID I married the wrong person and then because I have the wrong, married the wrong person, I end up having the wrong kids and you find yourself complicated. Maybe you're like, what if I married the right, married the right person but I have, and I have the right kids, but I have the wrong job and, and then I can't quit my job because my kids need braces because if my don't they don't get braces they're gonna be ugly and they're gonna marry the wrong person and then I'm gonna be in a weird spot because I'm gonna end up having the wrong grandkids and I mean the truth of the matter is is the what-ifs are endless the what-ifs are endless I mean it doesn't matter how good life is or how bad life is it's funny that we're all stuck holding our what-ifs the same you know I want to trust God I do, I, I, I want to. I mean, each of us find us sitting in these chairs, sitting at home, tuning into this stream because we honestly want to trust God. But so often we are faced with this harsh reality that how do we trust in a God that we cannot see? Because you see, I can see the COVID crazy culture that I live in. I can see when my bank account used to be going up and now it's going down right i mean i can see the the tension that's in our culture you know and how do i bring myself to a place when everything around me is telling me not to trust but i'm forced to take a stand and actually trust god Right, then it can get worse because you know how do i trust god when in the past when i did trust him and he didn't do what I asked him to do, right? I mean, I mean, like he could have, right? He could have technically got rid of COVID so we could all have a great American Thanksgiving. He could have done it. And maybe you prayed that he would do it and you're finding yourself stuck in your home alone 
you know, eating a drumstick instead of a turkey. I want to trust God. I want to believe that I'm not alone. I want to believe that God holds the future. But I've realized something. It's, it's honestly not as easy as it sounds. And we find ourselves at different seasons of our life, if we're honest, I believe, asking ourselves the very question, can I trust God? I'm going to spend the next 25 minutes answering this question for you. If you find yourself here and you don't know the answer, I'm going to give you the answer. Maybe I'm going to force feed it down your throat. And the answer is yes, even though the world is crazy and even though everything seems like it's falling apart, you can trust God. You can trust God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we know that your word says rejoice, that this is the day that you have made, that even if we don't feel it, even though we don't have the emotions for it, even if we don't have the intellect for it, even if everything that we think is going wrong that should be going right, your word tells us very clearly rejoice because you are in the day. And we take comfort and refuge, not in things, not in situations, not in people, not in science, not in government, we place our hope in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So for the duration of my teaching today, I really want to focus on um, a scripture uh, in, in Luke chapter 5. And it's a very familiar scripture. When you hear it, you've probably read it a hundred times over again. It's a very common scripture. But I want to focus on it in a maybe an interesting way today in that I believe that there are two prayers um, that we can pray in order to build our trust in God. You know, the, the, this passage of scripture that we're going to read from kind of starts like this, that Jesus was by the lake of this place called Gennesaret, and he was teaching, and, you know, crowds of people were following him. And at the end of the day, um, you know, he, Jesus was, you know, being pushed kind of as he commonly was, that people kind of would throng him and and he asks Peter if he can borrow his boat so that he can get off the shore and go onto the boat and preach from the boat so he's not like, you know, preach, having to preach in like waist deep water, right? Jesus was a smart guy. And, and it was kind of uh, an <clears throat> uh, interesting situation that Jesus was in because Peter, uh, it says that, you know, essentially that Jesus finds him and he's cleaning his nets. And the scripture tell, goes on to tell us that he had spent all day, all night, and all day fishing, and he had caught nothing. So if you can imagine, you know, this was a great day for Jesus uh, because Jesus is now in the height of his preaching ministry, and he's beginning to display some of the miraculous signs and wonders that will follow him for the three years of his ministry. But Peter, however, had a bummer of a day, okay? And he gets into the boat with Peter, obviously, uh, Peter at, at this moment, you know, obliges and lets Jesus hop on his boat with him, even though he's frustrated, you know, he was a nice guy. And he tells G uh, Peter, Jesus tells Peter, you know, take me out onto the water. And we know that Jesus then goes on to begin to preach from uh, Peter's boat. And I want to pick up in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read 4 and 5 right now, and then we're going to continue on. And it says this, that when 
he had finished speaking, this is Jesus, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who would later be called Peter, put out into deep waters. Put out into deep water. You know, I've realized something that often you got to get in over your head for God to get you what you need. Sometimes we think that we're drowning instead of realizing that the miracle that we're believing for is actually in the deep water and not in the shallow water. It goes on to say this, and let down your nets for a catch. And it goes on to say that Simon answered, and, and I think that this was Simon really, you know, doing his best to be polite in his answer. You know, but if, but if I was, you know, Simon Peter, I would, you know, say to Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, like, you know, I'm the fisherman and you're the preacher, right? Like, you stick to preaching and I'll stick to fishing, right? I'm not going to tell you how to preach and I'll tell you I'm a master at this. Don't tell me how to fish. And Simon answered, being as polite as he could possibly be, said it like this, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. It's a polite way, honestly, of Peter saying to Jesus, like, listen, man, if I go out now, after I've been skunked all day, it's going to make me feel like a little bit of an idiot. You know, like all the people, the guys who know you don't fish at this time and I'm pushing out there like I'm some amateur and they're going to be like murmuring and talking and they're going to laugh. And Jesus, what you're asking me to do honestly makes me feel a little stupid. It's humiliating. Like I've already washed my nets and people have seen me and I'm going to go out and I'm going to follow you. And it's just like, it's just not going to go well for me. And I've realized something in life, and maybe your year of 2020 has been like this, that God often asks us to do things that don't make sense. I mean, if you read the scriptures, the scriptures are almost annoying because it's like the scriptures take like good sound logic and then just tells you to do the opposite, right? Like, here's the deal. If you want to get money, give more away. And you're like, this is ridiculous. Like who, who wrote, this is like toddlers for existed. Like who wrote this book? And, and I've realized something that God often asks us to do things, to step out in things, to trust in things that don't make sense. It's like the scripture that says, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Like, like thanks Jesus. Like it sounds good, but like, you don't know what I'm going through. Like, how do I not worry about tomorrow? Or, or, or like Jesus says, bless those who persecute you. And you're like, yeah, this sounds really, it preaches so nice, but you, you don't know the people that I work with. It tells me not to lean on my own understanding. And, and it's like, if I don't lean on my own understanding, what am I supposed to lean on? And you know, I, 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 if I don't lean on my own understanding, then chances are I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. And God, I want to trust you. But I just don't know how. Can't see you. Can't necessarily hear your voice. Haven't really seen the results in my life that I've been looking for. And I think Peter gives us a little bit of insight into this as we watch his interaction as he goes on with Jesus. The first prayer that I think is hidden inside this text sounds like this. Lord, help me to obey you even when I don't understand. You see, Peter never actually prays this prayer. 
But we see this prayer being lived out in action because we know the end of the story is that the scripture tells us that Peter goes out and he lets down his nets. It says this in Luke 5, 5. It says, Simon answered, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. But because you said so, I'll obey you, even though I don't understand. You know, I've realized this concept of letting down our nets, although probably the majority of you are not commercial fishermen, and so you are very unfamiliar with the style of, uh, of life that Peter would have lived. But I've realized something is that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Come on, let me say that again. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Let me tell you something, in your life, wherever you find yourself right now, you don't have to know the end of the story to be willing to obey and turn the page on what God wants you to do in your life. Lord, help me to obey even when I don't understand. Now again, it sounds so nice, and you in your homes right now are probably like, yes, Lord. I mean, maybe you even prayed that prayer after me. Yes, Lord, help me to obey, even when I don't understand. But tomorrow morning rolls around, and you're going to remember this, and you're going to have one simple prayer to pray tomorrow, and it's going to sound like this. Lord, how? Right? How? How on earth? And I've realized something, and, and, and I'm going to give you some advice right now. If you're dating or hoping to be in a dating relationship, please understand. This advice does not transcend all avenues, okay? This is a very specific advice and that you got to get clingy, okay? You got to get clingy. Now, if you're in a dating relationship, uh, my advice to you is don't get clingy because clingy is annoying. But when you're going through a crisis, you got to get clingy to God, you know, I'm super clingy with Danielle, and, and sometimes she hates it. Sometimes, like, she'll say that to me regularly, like, you know, why can't you, like, come up and, like, get clingy and, like, do something that makes me feel nice? Like, why you always got to get clingy and just be, like, real annoying? Like, sometimes I'll, like, get real clingy on her, and then I'll just, like, go dead weight, right? And I'm just, like, hey, all of my weight is hanging on her, and she's like, dude, just get off me, right? And sometimes clinging can be annoying, but when you're in the middle of a crisis and you got nowhere else to turn and everything seems like it doesn't make sense, yes. can I tell you something? Get clingy to Jesus. Yes. I mean, this is what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If anybody has a Christian mug, you know the scripture because it's on all of them and it sounds like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And verse six says this, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And, and that word trust in this, uh, in, in this translation being spoken in English, we're like, yes, trust, but trust is a strange word. If you actually go back into the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is a word that I will not pronounce because who even knows how to pronounce it anymore. The word trust actually means to cling to. It means cling to God, cling to him with all of your heart. And don't try to lean on your own understanding because chances are you're the one that got you in the mess you're in. 
but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now cling to God, this sounds awesome. But again, I've realized the challenge in clinging to God and the challenge in clinging to God is, it means you have to let go of whatever you are currently clinging to. Right, isn't it so easy to cling to our emotions? So easy to cling to our ideas, so easy to cling to our expectations of things, of systems, of people. It's easy to cling to our intellect. It's easy to cling to sometimes the false sense of comfort that we experience in life. But I've, I've realized that link, letting go of my own understanding, letting go of my own wisdom, letting go of my own plans and, and clinging to God is, is sometimes a real challenge because it's easy to cling to people. It's easy to cling to our jobs, to our 401k. It's easy to cling to our societal expectations. But I've realized something in 2020. <laughs> that those things are good one minute and not good the next. That it's here one minute and it's gone the next. That something that feels so good today can feel so wrong tomorrow. But in order to cling to God, we have to let go of whatever we are currently clinging to. What am I clinging to? God, I'm clinging to your promises. God, I'm clinging to your goodness. God, I'm clinging to the truth. God, I'm clinging to what you say about me. I'm not trying to cling to all the stuff in life, but I'm gonna find you in the word and I'm gonna cling to those things even though they don't seem like they make sense right now. I'm gonna cling to your promises and I'm gonna Never let go, like promises like cast your cares, cast my cares on you because you care for me. Promises like you'll provide for all of my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Promises like that you're gonna work all things out in this crazy year for my good somehow. Promises like you're never gonna leave me and you're never gonna forsake me. Promises like that when I draw near to you, you're gonna draw near to me. Promises like you are close to the brokenhearted, that you save those who are crushed in spirit, that you are our refuge, you are our strength. You are my stronghold in my time of trouble. Can I tell you something, church, this morning? Cling to God Cling to the goodness of God. Let go of whatever you're clinging to. Let go of the expectations of how this needs to work in order for everything to work and let go of those things and come to a place of saying, God, I'm clinging to you. Oh, God, I trust you. I trust that you're somehow gonna take all this craziness and turn it for something I'm thankful for. And here's the deal, not because it makes sense, Oftentimes, our first steps of obedience are taken when it makes no sense. I don't obey because it makes sense. I don't obey because it's the logical progression of events. No, I obey because I trust you. I trust in you. I trust your nature. I trust your goodness. I trust your, the outcomes that you promised that I would experience in my life. And, and because of this, even though it doesn't make sense, I'm choosing to let down my nets. I'm gonna let them down, even though I don't know the outcome. You know, because it's easy to let down the nets. How many of you know if Peter knew the outcome of the story, 
It would have been easy for him. It, it, he would have probably brought more nets. It's easy to trust when you know the outcome, right? Like later on in the ministry, when Jesus tells them to go get the clay pots, like how many of you know they're like running to get the pots because they know something great is gonna happen. But no, trust, trust is affirmed when we don't know the outcome. But I've realized something, is that outcome is God's responsibility. Yes. Obedience is mine. And here's the thing, is that even in your everyday life, as you're walking through this, sometimes we can overcomplicate spiritual things. But I've realized that it's the small promptings often in our life that lead to the big miracles that people talk about, right? It's like people talk about, you know, oh, you became a millionaire, it seems like overnight. And I heard a minister say one time, it was the longest night of my life. Right? Because the truth of the matter is, is that it's a whole bunch of small bits of obedience that finally get us to our amazing big miracle that we're believing for. Isn't this what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 6? And when they had done so, when they obeyed without knowing the outcome, they caught a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And, and they came and they filled both boats so full that the boats began to sink. Okay, this was 20 minutes ago. They're putting their nets away and they're frustrated and they're angry. So it's not like the tide just turns. How many of you know sometimes God does the most amazing things? when we simply continue to obey the things that he told us to do. Amen. Lord, help me to obey you even when I don't understand. And the prayer number two, I truthfully think is sometimes the hardest prayer that we pray. And the prayer sounds like this. Lord, help me surrender what I cannot control. We see this as the story goes on and Simon Peter experiences this amazing miracle. And immediately as he looks and responds to Jesus, he makes a statement like, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And in Luke 5, verse 10 and 11 says this, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore they left everything and they followed him. They left everything. Everything. Leaving everything meant that Peter most likely walked away from his nets. He most likely walked away from this huge, it doesn't say that, you know, he went and sold all his fish and then he, no, it said immediately in that moment he left everything and followed Jesus. You know, these nets to Peter, he walks away from these things. And, but to Peter, the nets were symbolic of more than just a net. To Peter, the, the nets that he was walking away from, the boats that he was walking away from, meant that he was walking away from his provision. He was walking away from his security. He essentially was walking away from his future. And here's the deal, we all have nets, Right? We all have them. We all, maybe you don't carry around physical nets, 
But we all have nets. What are those things in your life that provide safety, that provide comfort? What are those things that provide hope for you? What are those things that you've placed your hope in? Those things are your nets. And I've realized something about nets. First, Jesus asks us to let them down. But then Jesus asks us to lay them down. Can you let go of your plans? Can you let go of your understanding and cling to God? Now, this isn't easy, right? Some of you right now are facing some of the realest situations in your life. Some of you are going through things that you never, ever thought you ever would have to face. And I've realized that sometimes laying down the things that bring us safety and security are going to be some of the biggest steps of faith that you will ever take. Because you see, it's not just about letting them down. It's not just about letting God somehow use the situation It's laying them down and saying, God, I trust that even if this doesn't make sense, I'm letting go of everything that seems right to me in this world, and I'm simply clinging to you. And I believe that this season we're in right now, that 2020 started out real hot. January 2020 was like the year of vision, right? Y'all remember that? We had them 2020 specs, and... We partied thinking this is gonna be it. And now, unfortunately, the things that we're seeing with our vision, they ain't so nice. (laughs) And you're like, God, where are you? (laughs) Like, why is this happening to me? And I believe we're on a lay down season. I believe that in order to get to the next rock, you have this very vulnerable moment where you have to let go of the one that you're holding on to. Maybe you're finding yourself wondering why you still don't have a job that has benefits. Maybe you're fighting for your marriage even though it doesn't seem like your spouse is fighting alongside of you. You know, maybe you're trying to pray and you're reading your Bible and you're still battling depression and you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of this? You see, this is how Peter would have felt. Peter would have been, he was Jewish. I mean, Judaism was the thing that everybody did. It wasn't that Peter didn't know Jesus, didn't know, he didn't, oh, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know God. He didn't serve God. He didn't make his sacrifices. It wasn't, he didn't do all the right things in order to be blessed. And I'm sure in this very moment, Peter was like, God, where are you? I have mouths to feed. I have a family. I have people who are depending on me. And he would have missed it if he would have continued to cling to what he knew. You know, I have a super personal story about this. And I prayed in the back and told the Lord, I don't cry, like sop up all my tears. But then I said, unless there's a reason why I have to cry because I felt like I can't preach about obedience and then not obey. (laughs) So let's just hope I don't cry. This year has been a super insane year. It was crazy for everybody. Um, And, you know, we've all been in seasons of laying things down, laying down our ability to control things. And mine and Danielle's story got super crazy. And you know that I've alluded to it a little bit and and she's gonna one day give the test, the full testimony. But in August of this year, we had an opportunity to lay down what we could control and trust God. 
And a week before my birthday, um, Danielle started to feel some pain in her body, in her kidneys, and just wasn't, wasn't feeling good. And we saw a doctor, and she was on antibiotics, and, you know, was honestly just wasn't really turning the corner. And, and finally, one night, it was a Sunday evening, I think it was the week after my birthday, um, she said to me, it was late, it was 10.30 at night, and she said, you know what, I just, I'm just really feeling, she felt the prompting, because sometimes obedience isn't comfortable. It was 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, and she said, you know, I'm really feeling like the Lord is telling me to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, like, come on, like, just go in the morning, like, come on, which sometimes I do to her. I'm like, you're just being a little dramatic, like, it's not that big of a deal, and and she's like, no, I really feel like the Lord is telling me that I need to go to the hospital. And she goes to the hospital, and, and I'm, I stayed up that night, right? I'm thinking, it's 10.30 right now. I'm just going to stay up. She's going to go to the hospital. She's going to be there for two hours, and then we'll go to bed together, and everything's going to be cool. She goes to the hospital and uh, gets in, and she's getting admitted. And she immediately, when she gets there, it's like she spikes a fever right away. And she's sitting in the waiting room, like shivering, and just something is severely not right with her. And she finally gets admitted to the, to the hospital, and we find out that she has a severe kidney infection, and her, she's gone septic, which means that her blood has infection in it, and it was like a huge emergency. She had to immediately go on, you know, IV antibiotics, and the doctors called me and are telling me some crazy news and all the potentials of what could go wrong in this. And, and I remember sitting on my couch thinking to myself, what am I going to do? And I'm not crying because I'm sad because we're through it. I'm crying because it's just the Lord is so good. And I can remember sitting there and all the horrible thoughts start flooding through your mind. Like, what am I going to do? I can't raise Lola alone. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? How is this going to go? What's going to happen? And what turn, goes from one night turns to two nights, three nights, four nights, and they can't get the infection under control. And she's spiraling. And, and I remember in those moments as I sat on the couch day after day as they're running tests and they can't find out what's wrong and they don't know what's happening. I can remember a very specific moment where I sat on the couch and I said, Lord, none of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. None of it... I mean, I've done, you know, you do all the things. I've done everything right, you know. I gave, I tithed, I'm a pastor, I'm so kind. Why is this happening to me? Right? We do that. And I can remember it was so simple. The Lord spoke to me as I sat on the couch. He said, Alex, I'm good. And I had to choose. What am I going to trust? Am I going to trust in what the doctors are saying? Am I going to trust in what the medical system is saying? Am I going to trust in what's happening in her body? Or am I going to choose to trust the word of God? Am I going to trust in something that I don't understand, but that I believe is higher, is better? And somehow in the midst of a situation where they're basically telling me that there's a possibility that my wife is going to die, I sat on my couch and somehow he comforts me. 
And I realized something as I went through that. Like, although, please hear me, like, like my heart at times was hurting. I, I didn't go through this like Superman where I didn't have moments where I'm like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? But I realized something that together as a family, although we've had to work through some stuff, our hope was never shaken. Because sometimes God asks us to let down our nets. And other times he asks us to lay them down. You see, you don't always have the power to control situations, but you always have the power to surrender. Sounds good, doesn't it? You wanna trust God, but you honestly don't know if you can. Sometimes you feel like things are too dark, things are too difficult, things are too depressing. And I asked myself this question, right? When did the miracle happen? When did the miracle happen in Peter's life? The answer to that question is it happened at the end of a frustrating, discouraging, disappointing day. It happened after they cleaned their nets, after they thought that they had lost all hope. They're putting away their boats. And in that moment, Jesus asked them, Will you try again? I've learned something very significant in the years that I've walked with the Lord, and that is this. God often does his greatest works in our lowest places. That he might feel low, and probably does. But I promise you something. A friend of mine said this to me yesterday. He said, in the effort of being cliche, I'm just going to say it. He said, it's always the darkest before the dawn. Can I tell you something, church? It might feel dark. We may be troubled. We may be going through seasons of difficulty, but our hope is not shaken. We are still moving. We are still going. We are still going forward. We are still hanging on to the promises. We are still making a way. We are still going forward because we understand that our hope is not in anything temporal. My hope is simply in the Lord. So maybe you're finding yourself in this place where you've been praying and you're believing and you're feeling like, oh, I just can barely hold on anymore. Maybe you've been fighting for your marriage and it feels like there's no hope that's left anymore. Maybe you're on the last legs of fighting for a dream and you've quit believing that it's even possible. The end of the day when all hope seemed as though it was lost, that's when the miracle happened. And I tell you, church, don't cling to situations. Don't cling to people. Don't cling to safety. Don't cling to your stocks. Don't cling to the government. Don't cling to anything other than cling to God. Put your trust in God. Put your hope in God because he is faithful. I want to do that this morning. I want to pray for you. I'm done preaching. I want to take two minutes and pray for you because I've heard from so many people go through so many just hard, bad difficult situations this year. Not here to pretend that those things aren't real. Not here to pretend that you are not feeling what you're feeling, experiencing what you're experiencing, that you haven't gone through what you've gone through. I know what it feels like to go through a dark season. 
what I want to pray is that you know, Lord, is this my time to lay it down? Lay down the cares, lay down the worry, lay down the frustration, lay down the despair, lay down the depression, let go of, lay down the history, lay down whatever it is he's asking us to lay down. Because God does his greatest miracles. In our lowest, weakest, most desperate of places. I heard the Lord say very clearly to me, I don't even know anymore, a week ago, a month ago, five years ago, sometime behind me. He said this to me as I was just sitting in his presence. I don't know, God talks to me in one-liners very often. Like sometimes he'd be like, you got more to say? He said it to me very specifically. He said, Alex, future is bright. Man, it might seem dark right now. It might seem hard. It might seem challenging. Maybe you're mad that we have to stop coming to church. <laughs> Maybe you're happy. <laughs> Maybe you're mad at the government. Maybe you're mad. Who knows? <laughs> Take a pick. Father, we come to you this morning with our nets. Oh man, we love our nets. Lord, we ask what you're asking some of us to let them down, to try again, to step in again, to believe again, to hope again. We choose to obey. And for others of us where you're asking us to lay them down, we choose that this morning. We choose to surrender. We know, God, sometimes we're never going to get the answers. Sometimes things are never going to seem right. That's why your word says that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. You're higher. You're higher. You're better. You know more. We choose this morning to lay them down. We don't want to self protect or self preserve. We don't want to lean to our own understanding. We acknowledge you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.